Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tuesday, November 30th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, it's, uh, it's zero hour. It's, it's almost here. Uh, the anticipated or rumored lockout uh, when the collective bargaining agreement between Major League Baseball and the Players Association expires at midnight. Uh, I, the two sides are having discussions today, but uh, the speculation is the the word is that they're they're pretty far apart and their things won't get taken care of today and that this lockout will go into effect uh, until then right up until then we've seen a flurry of free agent signings and a lot of movement we were just remarking to each other before we started recording here uh, boy it, it sure would be nice to have the threat of a lockout every year because this is this is more free agent movement early in the process than we've seen in, in years. Yeah, Joe, I, I was checking it out. I was reading some stuff and first month of uh, free agent, you know, possibility of free agent, of the free agent market being open over 1.9 billion with the B has been, has already been spent on players. I mean, and that's just in Texas. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Texas is the Rangers have spent over $500 million. <laughs> well, so we, we saw the Rangers last year. They could, they could use, they could go for uh, another 500 million. They were, uh, they were not a good team last year, but 500 million. You think that's a, a roundabout number or a round enough number to, to get them back to being decent. Yeah. You snap your fingers and you got a middle infield of, uh, Simeon and uh, Simeon and Corey Seager. That's not too bad, I guess. If you, all, all it takes is money. That's you know. <laughs> yeah, you got an MVP finalist and a World Series MVP. I think, uh, uh, and and they're not just signed up for, you know, next year. I mean, these this is a this is a long term deal for the the two of those guys uh, in the middle of the infield. There, you move Isaiah Kiner Falafel over back to to third base where he's. Uh, he, he's sort of more natural there. Uh, they they become pretty potent all, all of a sudden. Yeah, and they signed John Gray. So, you know, they need some pitching help, definitely. So he should help there. But, uh, yeah, uh, Seager for 10 and uh, Simeon for uh, 7. So they're going to be around for a while. Right. Uh, if we take a look at what's going on in the American League Central, the, 
The more immediate threat to the Guardians is uh, Javier Baez, who signs, uh, I, I don't know if it's, uh, it's between six or seven years, something like that, for $140 million with Detroit. Uh, so now the Tigers have made a couple of big splashes in free agency. Uh, they've got that young pitching staff that is, is going to be a problem at some point once they get it together. Uh, they're, they're sort of putting things together the A.J. Hinch way. Yeah, uh, you know, the, earlier in the offseason, they, they signed uh, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez to, a, I think, a five-year, $75 million contract. And then uh, they traded for uh, Tucker Barnhart, a veteran gold glove catcher from uh, Cincinnati. Uh, you know, they finished three games in back of the uh, of uh, the Guardians uh, in this this past season, Joe. So, you know, they've got their eye on uh, they got their eye not only on the Guardians, but the White Sox as well, I think, in the AL Central. Yeah, I think so far uh, in the offseason, uh, even uh, uh, everybody's made made improvements in the in the division. Uh, I can't I can't recall Kansas City making any big moves, but. Uh, Byron Buxton uh, signs for a hundred million dollar extension uh, in Minnesota. Uh, obviously, this is a guy who, when he's healthy, he's one of the best players in the division, top to bottom. Uh, defensively, uh, offensively, he had a career year last year, despite you know still having to deal with injuries. A uh, hundred million dollars from from Minnesota. You, you think that's a a good move for the Twins? I love the player, Joe. I. I... I question uh, uh, the the money uh, put out to to keep him. Um, he just he just doesn't stay healthy. And the best what indicator of future injuries is past injuries. And this guy has had a string of injuries that you know go all the way back to when he first broke into the big leagues. But boy, what a player, especially defensively. And uh, he really came on offensively last season. If he can, if they can get him for a hundred to one hundred ten games a year. They're golden. Yeah, I, I would love to see his defensive run saved just against Cleveland over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. He's been incredible. Every time you look up, he's taken away hits and runs uh, from, from Cleveland hitters. Uh, of course, the big name uh, that signed yesterday uh, was announced early, uh, Max Scherzer going to the Mets. Uh, it had been you know, thought that he was going to stay out on the West Coast, but uh, here I guess he trains or he lives in Florida, not far, uh, a 10-minute drive from the, the Mets training facility. He's familiar with the Mets from having played in Washington for all those years uh, in, in that division. So uh, sort of a, a chance for him to, to, you know, at least face his, his former Washington teammates a, a few times. Uh, Max Scherzer gets gets what, you know, three-year deal at uh, the, the $44 million per? Yeah, three years for $130 million overall. The highest AAV, you know, annual average value of uh, for a contract in, in MLB history at $43.3 million. <laughs> and this guy's 37, Joe. I was going to say, he's, he's Max Scherzer is 137 years old. Yes, we all, we all agree <laughs> with that. Uh I saw a tweet from uh, I saw two tweets. I saw a, a tweet from Trevor Bauer and a tweet from Trevor Bauer's agent slash girlfriend uh, who were sort of uh, praising Max Scherzer for taking a short term deal with a higher AAV. 
and, and saying, gee, I wonder where you got that idea. Then I thought to myself, boy, you know, uh, the, the guy who didn't wind up playing half the season for the team that he signed for uh, is, is out there, uh, you know, sort of bragging about the trend that he started in terms of pitchers signing deals. Uh, maybe, maybe Trevor should be worrying about getting back on the mound. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's a good point. And, uh, and Yaziel Puig left uh, Trevor's, Trevor's agency. <laughs> she, that's so I, I wonder what happened there. That, that, now that's a story in itself. Uh, crazy doesn't like crazy. I don't know either way. So uh, yeah, I saw, I saw a, an interview with Yaziel Puig down. Uh, I believe he's playing in Mexico. And uh, he was still licking his, the barrel of his bat. So, uh, again, you know, do with that what you will. Uh, so we covered Scherzer. We covered all this, the, the, the free agent signings. Uh, the, the rumors that we got out of the uh, earlier sessions of the talks on the CBA between the two sides there uh, came out with the idea of a 14-team playoff system. Uh, what's, uh, what's the latest on that? What are you hearing about the possibility that the playoffs could be expanded? Yeah, you know, I think we saw the expanded playoffs in the, uh, you know, 60-game sprint in 2020, Joe, uh, when they went to 16 teams. Uh, the proposal that's that the owners have presented is for a 14-team playoff uh, for 2022. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the players, you know, are, are kind of skeptical they think this doesn't incentivize uh, teams to uh, really put together super teams. They think it will only get it will only uh, encourage teams to have medium medium teams because there's so many playoff spots. So that's going to hurt 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 the players. So I I, I I don't get that, Joe. I think that's negative thinking. I think I, the more I, chances you get to make the postseason the more energized you're going to be, the more money the players are going to make in, in the postseason, the bigger the postseason pools are. I just wonder what, what the negotiating sort of stance is where the players associate, and, and believe me, I'm not against the players association in any way. I'm not for the, the league in any way, it, but I just wonder how you can take something that's obviously a good thing for the players like having more guys get playoff shares and their, their, their money. It, it, having the playoffs expand is obviously a good thing. Having the universal DH is obviously a good thing for the players association. And yet the players association wants to come out and say things like, well, this isn't something that should be a, a bargaining chip for, for the league. Yeah, it should be a bargaining chip for the league. It should be something that it, it, you're going to get something out of this. Oh no, we're not going to see any benefit out Yes, you are, and you know you are, and that's not that's not negotiating in good faith if you're trying to convince everybody that, no, these good things for you aren't really good things for you. Expanded playoffs and uh, a, a universal DH. These are, these are positives for the Players Association, and yet the Players Association wants to convince you, the, the viewing public, that, that they're not good things, that these, they won't benefit us. Come on, be, be serious. <laughs> It's all part of negotiations, Joe. <laughs> I, I mean, who's doing their negotiations? That what kind of narcissist is doing their their negotiation? Oh no, this isn't this isn't anything that's going to benefit us. Come on, that's just that's garbage. All right, let's move on. It's uh, it's Sam Hentges Day on our countdown of uh, the 
40-man roster, our review of, of Cleveland's 40-man roster for, for this season. Uh, Sam Hentges, a guy that came on uh, in spring training, and you could tell from the very beginning of spring training last season that Terry Francona was just enamored with Sam Hentges and the potential that this uh, long, lanky, tall, left-handed uh, starter, really, uh, at the time, uh, could, could, you know, the opportunities that he had, uh, the way Tito talked about him early on was, you know, this guy's going to be uh, with us and with the major league roster for, uh, you know, this season. And he did, he spent a, a good chunk of time out there trying to be one of those guys that filled the, the gaps left by all the injuries to the, the top of the starting rotation. It just never really seemed to click for Sam uh, as a starter, uh, in the at least in the early months of the season yes you know uh joe is his uh as a starter he went 0-4 with a 7.90 era 12 games 12 starts uh 41 innings um just uh you know he just struggled as, as a starter he, he, he really did and uh you know the first half of the season he was one and four 8.25 era 15 games, eight starts, um, you know, 44 Ks, 25 walks, um, just, uh, you know, his, his, his walk to, uh, his, his strikeout to walk ratio was two point, or I mean, his whip was 2.03 and his strikeout to walk ratio was 1.76, you know, so that, that's just not, you know, you're not going to get it done that way. And, you know, they, they finally, they sent him down. They moved him to the bullpen. And I think he had a little more success there, Joe. Do you think that, you know, the time in the minors and, and sort of their adjustment to what his role could be uh, really sort of paid off and, and he found himself a little bit uh, more towards the middle of the season there? And, and in the end, when he knew he was going to be coming out of the bullpen, uh, maybe going two innings if, at times if possible, uh, in those shorter bursts, we saw a little bit more effective Sam Hentges. Yeah, definitely. You know, as a reliever, he, he went one and oh, 4.88 ERA. So he cut his ERA almost, you know, from 7.90 as a starter to 4.88 as a reliever in 18 games, uh, pitched almost 30 innings. Um, you know, his, his, his strikeouts, 32 strikeouts, his walks dropped to five walks, you know, so, you know, that, that was an improvement. I, I mean, he still got hit pretty hard, but, uh, you know, I think maybe they found a spot for him, you know, maybe in that bullpen. Right. Yeah. And his, his profile, his pitch profile uh, really does sort of lend itself, I think a little bit better to uh, being that, you know, maybe one, two inning reliever uh, middle bridge guy. Uh, he, he doesn't, he comes at you with breaking stuff and doesn't really change speeds all that much. Uh, his, he throws mostly, uh, sliders and curveballs off of that four seam fastball. Uh, he mixed in a sinker every once in a while, but really doesn't have a change up. Doesn't have a change of speed, like a, a splitter or anything like that, that he can throw to, to get guys off of that, uh, fastball. And, you know, that's when he winds up getting hit as much as he does and, and getting, you know, giving up the hard contact. Uh, I, I think they did do a better job of putting him in situations to be more effective 
in the, in the second half of the season. Uh, I, I remember uh, a start he had, you know, he's from Minnesota. He had a start at Minnesota earlier in the season. And, you know, that was just disastrous. I, you know, I think there was a, he had a lot on his plate and a lot to handle early in the year, especially when the, the pressures of, you know, hey, we're down two, you know, two, three top line starters. Somebody needs to start games for us. And, and you know, we you turn around and it's, it's JC Mejia and, and Sam Henches. Uh, and the, those aren't exactly the, the best options, maybe uh, at, at that time in their development. Yeah, definitely. And there, there was something, there was a couple of stats that jumped out of me, Joe. In high leverage situations, I guess, you know, probably in, when you're in a bull, in the bullpen, you're going to be in those kind of situations. He, uh, the opposition hit um, two, 229 against him. And in low leverage situations, and maybe that's, you know, as, as a starter, you know, you just kind of getting a feel for the game, first inning, the opposition at 340 against them. So, you know, that, that might, you know, that might be a little telltale sign there that, you know, he, the bullpen is, is a better spot for him. Right. He, uh, he picked up his first major league win uh, in April against the Yankees. Uh, right-handed hitters had 26 extra base hits uh, off of the, the lefty there and a, a 9.43 OPS. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a little high. But, uh, you know, he, he did seem to, to have things click a little bit, like you said, when he went down to uh, Columbus and then came back. Uh, they, they sort of retooled him. I, I, the obvious comparisons and when you look at, you know, body type and size and it's easy to dream about, you know, if he, if he ever gets it together, sort of like a, like an Andrew Miller, uh, that's that's what he sort of looks like to me. You know, big, tall lefty. You can throw a, a you know a pretty wicked slider when he has to. I mean, he's got a long way to go to become Andrew Miller, but maybe one day they could use him out of the bullpen the way they used Andrew Miller out of the bullpen. Yeah, definitely, Joe. I think uh, you, you hit on something there. Um, you know, when they sent him down to Columbus, they wanted him to use his fastball more. You know, and uh, he kind of. You know, his fast, and I can see, you know, the opposition at 403 against his fastball. So I could see why he might have backed off on that and, and you know, just leaned on the curveball and slider. But as, you know, if you, but he's got a good, you know, he's thrown almost 95 miles an hour at averaging with the fastball. So I think if he, you know, he can hone in on that and, uh, you know, develop that and then then you've got you've got you know the curveball the opposition at 158 against it so you know you and then you got the slider so maybe you know if he can find that three pitch mix you know as a as a, a reliever you know that that might you know set him up pretty good and Joe he's he's out of options you know this it's interesting uh that you know so they're gonna have to make a decision on on this guy do they keep do they keep him or is he in in a trade or or, you know, do they expose him to waivers at the end of uh, spring training? Yeah, I got to believe if they expose him that somebody's going to take him. I mean, he's a, he'd be a project, but somebody would uh, pick him up. Uh, with the presence of a guy like an Anthony Ghost in the lineup, who they obviously are are developing an affinity for. I, I don't want to say that they're super high on him, but, you know, they're, they do like Anthony Ghost for a lot of reasons. Uh Sam Hentges, is there a place for him in the bullpen 
you know, are, are, do they keep multiple lefties uh, in that, in that same role or is ghost maybe a guy who pitches later in the game because, you know, he's, he's maybe a little more mentally composed than, than a Sam Hentges would be for that sort of uh, situation. And maybe you pitch Hentges earlier in a game uh, as, as sort of a bridge or if, if you're behind in a game. Yeah. Great. Uh, good point. And uh, you know, with Francona, I guess with, you know, what, 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 what would you, you probably carry like a seven man bullpen if you open the uh, season? Well, with the 26 man roster, you, you got to think, you know, eight, uh, yeah. you've got, you've got five starters in the, the right. 13. So yeah, it's gotta be an eight man bullpen. Right. So there, there would be room for, I think, two lefties in there. Yeah, you certainly would. And, uh, you know, and ghost is out of options too. So you, you've right. got, you're kind of sitting there staring at both guys and, if it comes down, you know, I don't know. It's going to come down to be an interesting uh, 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 situation and it's an interesting decision for him. Well, and maybe it's a situation where you say, okay, there's room for two lefties in this in this mix. Uh, here's here's a spot. It, it go out in in spring training and win that spot. If if he goes out and and has the kind of spring training that he had last year, I I think. Tito probably wants to keep him around uh, that there's you give him enough reasons to plus not having the options. Uh, I think there's plenty of reasons to keep him on the roster, at least to start the season, you know, who knows uh, after that, but uh, I can, I can envision a scenario where you've got uh, both ghosts and Hentges on this roster uh, when they break camp, uh, as long as everybody stays healthy. All right. Uh, that wraps up uh, Sam Hentges. Uh, we will take a look. At another uh, member of the 40-man roster tomorrow here on the uh, Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I think we might be talking uh, about a lockout by then, uh, probably. We'll, we'll go through some of the scenarios and the deadlines and the, the benchmarks and why uh, reasons why fans should be worried and reasons why fans shouldn't be worried, worried about the potential uh, of delaying the start of the season. We'll, uh, we'll catch, you, catch up with you again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe. 